We're going to begin in Matthew chapter 1, and we're going to read a lot, because this is the Sunday before Christmas, and we ought to read the Christmas story. So we're going to read part of it from Matthew and part of it from Luke, and then we'll talk about three uh, spirits, uh, three parts of the Christmas spirit that we need to have. So let's begin. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the, pro- what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. And then we go to Luke's gospel, and we find the story also there. Or let's just continue a bit. Yeah, let's go to Luke. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who is born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. And so we're picking up on the wise men here. And again, they're a little bit after the Christmas story, but they're still part of this story because they began seeking for him. When they see his star. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priests and scribes and the king of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who shall shepherd my people. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20 says this, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. When the angels went away, uh, went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. 
And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And this morning, I want to just encourage you to let the Christmas spirit kind of sweep over you. This joyous occasion, and it is a joyous occasion. And you're here today, and we're in God's house, and we've just read what Christmas is really all about. But you've also been out there in the world this past few weeks, haven't you? Uh, The other day, Kathy and I thought we had all of our Christmas stuff done, and we thought we had done it all in Visalia. And when we got home and started looking, we realized we had missed a few things. And that took us on a little journey to Fresno. And so, um, because Kathy's not well, that meant I got to go to Fresno. And so, uh, I get up to Fresno, and I'm telling you, it was not the Christmas spirit there. There was no Christmas spirit on Highway 41. There was no Christmas spirit between Highway 41 and here. There was no Christmas spirit on any of the exits that I had to merge on and off of. There was certainly no Christmas spirit on Shaw Avenue. There was none on Blackstone. I found no Christmas spirit anywhere. And I went into the few stores that I had to go in and got out of there as quickly as possible. There was no Christmas spirit in the lines. And believe it or not, when I got to the cash register, I got no Christmas spirit from the cashier. It was hard to find any of it. The reality was, what there was was a lot of stress, a lot of hurry, a lot of rush, a lot of frustration, a lot of, a lot of things, but not a lot of Christmas spirit. And so that's what's happened in our culture, hasn't it? And in a few weeks, when all of the credit card bills come rolling in, we're going to have another great big old dose of Christmas spirit, aren't we? And we're going to enjoy that Christmas spirit for the next several months while we pay it all off. That's what's happened to Christmas spirit. And in the next few days, some of you are going to have family coming in. And oh, the Christmas spirit there. Because we all know, don't we, that some of the family we're happy to see and some of them, well, they're family. And so they, you just kind of have to have them along with everyone else, you know. And so we'll have a big dose of Christmas spirit as we're throwing turkeys and hams in the oven. And, and certainly as we eat them, that's the best time of the year. That's when the song, It's the Most Magical Time of the Year, that was about dinner at Christmas. But afterwards, the mess, oh, the mess. And there'll be lots of Christmas spirit in the kitchen as daddies clean up everything and put it all away and wash the dishes. Christmas spirit, where has it gone? But let me suggest to you that we need to kind of get back to these stories that we've read and and just capture some of the Christmas spirit. And the last several weeks, there's just been three things that have really been in my mind about the Christmas spirit that I think make it up. And let me just give you these. The first one is this. It's a spirit of anticipation. That, to me, is what Christmas should be about, is the spirit of anticipation. And we try to push that through gift-giving. And and gift-giving, by the way, that is a wonderful thing, because after all, when God sent Jesus, he gave the world the greatest gift it had ever received, right? We open the service with, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. And to be real honest, those kings, these wise men that we read about just a few moments ago, they brought gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, which were all valuable gifts. They were precious gifts. In fact, they were gifts fitted for a king, and they had symbolic meaning to them. But the gifts that even these wise men brought had nothing in comparison to what God gave us when he sent Jesus. 
And so this anticipation that we try to get with our kids as they wait to open presents and as they wait to see what's in their stockings and all this anticipation around Christmas isn't a bad thing, but it ought to remind us that there are some other things that we anticipate at Christmas too. And the Christmas story has this spirit of anticipation about it. And in fact, as I mentioned last week, all the way back in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, we find the first prophecy of a coming Messiah. And for thousands of years, the Jews waited and waited and longed for a Messiah to come. And every time that they would be in a, in a bad spot, they would still long for this Messiah to come. And they had shadows of the real Messiah. They had folks like Moses who came along and led them out of Egypt. And they had Joshua who took them into the promised land. And they always had some saviors that would come, but none were the Savior. And so the Jews always were anticipating the coming Savior. And that's why Christmas, the spirit of anticipation is part of it. Because for thousands of years, they waited for the Messiah. Or how about this for you and I? Maybe the spirit of anticipation means that we're waiting for God to do his work in our life. How many of us, God is doing something in your life right now? Amen. That ought to be every one of us. But maybe this morning you've got something big that you're, that you're waiting for God to do. Some way that you're waiting for God to move in your life. And isn't the waiting difficult at times? This last week we talked a little bit about waiting for God and why does God make us wait. And one of the points that we brought up was waiting builds anticipation. And as much as we hate waiting, we want things right now, it does build this anticipation and it causes us to, to long for something so that when it finally arrives, we are thrilled with joy and we appreciate it more than we ever would have. And this morning, I don't know what God is trying to do in your life or what he's trying to do in the life of the person next to you. I only know what God's doing in mine. And I'll tell you what, this anticipation, this longing for this, I know that God will do his work. In fact, the New Testament says this, Paul spoke and he said, I am confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will continue to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So every one of us has a work going on in our lives. God is busy doing something in us. And as we long for and anticipate the completion, that ought to become part of our Christmas spirit this year. And then there's the anticipation of waiting on the Lord to return again. Waiting on the Lord to return again. And I can tell you, while I was in Fresno the other day, if he'd have returned right then, I'd have been one happy camper. In fact, I probably would have heard the trumpet sound, and I said, thank you, Lord, and I'd have pointed out all the wolves and goats for him. God, that one's not one of yours, and that one's not one of yours. But aren't we anticipating the return of the Lord? Do you ever look at the news and say, how much longer, God, are you going to put up with this? Do you ever look at the wickedness in the world and, and just say, God, you're going to have to come soon. It can't get any worse than it already is. Just this past week, the things that we read about in the news and saw in the news, this young girl that a few weeks ago was set on fire and burned to death, and you look at things like that and you say, God, when are you going to return? How much more evil can this world become? And then last night, as two police officers in Brooklyn were sitting in their car, someone came along and executed them. And all over hatred and bitterness and resentment and racism. And we look at this evil world that we're living in and we say, God, it's got to be soon. 
And in fact, the the book of Revelation, the angels cry out to God and they ask God, how long, God, will you allow this? The martyrs who had died, they cry out to God, how long? And I don't know how long God will wait, but the Bible does tell us that he is patient and long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. And so while we anticipate the return of the Lord, understand that the only reason he hasn't already come is because there's still people who need Jesus. And you may be here this morning, and maybe that's you. You might be the one that Christ has waited all this time for. But one day we know this, he will return. Just like God kept his promise the first time, just like he sent the Messiah to be born in that manger, to be born there in the stable, to come and live on this earth, just like he sent him to the cross to be the sacrifice for our sins, and just like he promised to raise him from the dead, and he came through with that, Jesus also made a promise that one day he would come again for us, and he will keep that promise. But let's let this spirit of anticipation be part of this Christmas season. We know that Christ has come to the manger. That's already happened. But this Christmas, think about our longing for a day when he'll return once again to take us home. The spirit of anticipation. Maybe we need to let the spirit of celebration sweep over us. You know, we're not too old to celebrate in here, are we? The kids, they run out of here every week. Don't you just love watching them take off? And little Hudson, he's taking off like a, looks like a football player running. He's going to get whoever's in his way. Man, they're just so thrilled to go out there. And they go out there and they sing and they celebrate. And I was out in the lobby of the Sunday school room during Sunday school listening in on some of the classes. And man, they were in there just excited about celebrating Jesus tonight. And you know what? That spirit of celebration should sweep over every one of us in this room. Don't let the world and don't let the the consumerism and don't let the highways and the freeways and the shopping and all, don't let those things rob you of this spirit of celebration. Let us all become like little children at Christmas. Let us all celebrate that this is Jesus' birthday that we're after. Man, go, go today and pick up a cake and some sparkle candles and do what you have to do to get excited. Get you some of the little cone hats and, and the little blowers. and Man, celebrate. When we get too old to celebrate Jesus' birthday, we're in trouble, aren't we? I read several articles talking about Christmas celebrations and the different ways people celebrate. And I was really saddened to realize, and and I'd known this, but to just see it again and read about it, that there's a group of Christians that that don't celebrate the birth of Christ. They say, "We, we celebrate Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, and that's it. But man, if Jesus had never come, we'd have never had those things. And I think the Bible lays a precedent for the celebration. After all, when he is born, what happens? The angels appear to the shepherds, and there is great singing and rejoicing, and the shepherds run to see Jesus, and the wise men begin a journey, and it was a celebration. This was good news, the angel said. Good tidings of great joy. We should celebrate We should celebrate because Jesus came and we just read in Matthew 1 and 21 that he would be called Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And man, if you need something to celebrate this morning, give your life to Christ and let him forgive you of those sins. That's room for celebration because the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
There's none righteous. No, not one. Every one of us in this room, whether we want to admit it or not, are sinners. But many of us have been saved by grace, haven't we? Because Jesus came, we have a Savior. We have one who would pay the price for our sins. And that ought to make us celebrate. Man, when we got saved, do you remember what it was like when you knelt and you asked God to forgive you of your sins and to come into your heart and to be your Lord and Savior? Do you remember the the relief there was and the joy there was? The the guilt was all gone. The shame was gone. All you knew was that Jesus forgave you and God loved you and you were on your way to heaven. And that felt great. Let's give back that spirit of celebration. Man, when we walk through these doors, and in fact, when we walk out of these doors, we've got to have a smile on our face and a pep in our step, and we've got to have a little shout about us because God has saved us from our sins. We can celebrate because the scripture said there in Matthew that his name would be Emmanuel, God with us. I've seen all kinds of stuff this Christmas, and one of the new things sweeping the thing is this elf on a shelf. How many of you have seen this thing? Kind of a little creepy. My sister-in-law had that for her, uh, her nephew, Jack. They're not here today, but, but she had that one year. And, and the elf on the shelf thing, she says, oh, it's really cool. And she's a teacher, so it makes all the sense to her. I'm thinking, it's creepy. But they would move the elf around different days of the week because you never knew where the elf was. And he was watching you, and he'd report back to Santa. And that's just creepy. <laughs> going to raise paranoid kids. But listen to little Jack talk about He was excited about this elf. The elf's there. And every day he'd look for it and find it. Oh, there he is. Emmanuel is God with us. And do you realize that everywhere we are, God is? Everywhere. God is with us. I think sometimes we've made mention of this and I'm not quite sure how accurate it is, but we talk about the fact that God loved us so much and he wanted to be so close to us that he sent Jesus here to be with us. And that might be accurate in a sense, but do you realize God is omnipresent? He is all places already. Before he sent Jesus to earth, he was still as close as he could be. I think Jesus came more for our benefit than God's benefit so that we could see him and have skin on God and that we could witness his life and see his testimony. Because maybe for us, it's a little bit tougher of this concept that God is with us all the time. And we realized maybe at that first Christmas that God literally was with man. And that's reason to celebrate. And Jesus came and he walked among men. He lived here. They saw his life. He set an example. He set a pattern. And he died. He was buried. He rose again. And before he left, he also made a promise that another would come just like him. The Comforter. The Holy Spirit. And God is with us all the time. Emmanuel, God with us. That ought to give us reason to celebrate. Or a little bit further down in Matthew, when the wise men come and they're approaching Herod, they're calling him the Christ. Herod says, tell me where the Christ shall be born. And when you look up that word, the Christ, it's used many times about Jesus. And it literally means the anointed one. Or as we would say, the Messiah. The promised one. And that's a reason to celebrate because by calling him the Christ, they're saying he's the Savior. He's the one. 
He's the fulfillment of God's promises. John the Baptist, when he first sees Jesus in his ministry, a little bit later on down the line, John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Remember, he was called Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And then as he begins his earthly ministry, John says, There he is, the Lamb of God that will take away the sins of the world. That's reason to celebrate. Or the fact that in Hebrews, the writer calls him the great high priest. And describes him this way. He says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That's a reason to celebrate Christmas, is that God sent Jesus here. And because Jesus walked among us, we know that he experienced all the things that we experience. And because of that, he is this compassionate high priest that we go to with our issues. So he says, because of this, we can come boldly to the throne of grace. Aren't you glad our Savior understands our lives? That he knows what we struggle with, he knows what we go through. As some of you know, I used to have a weight problem. Don't laugh. That's not a joke. But I'll tell you, one of the worst things is walking into a Weight Watchers meeting and some skinny little anorexic supermodel standing up there telling me how she struggled to lose her seven pounds. I'm thinking, you have no clue, lady. I go to the gym and I sweat seven pounds. And then have 93 more to go. How can she be sympathetic with me? She doesn't understand. Aren't you glad that our Savior understands everything about us? And then we can celebrate the fact that he's coming again. That we celebrate the manger, yes, but that, that's something that's already happened. But I can celebrate the fact that he's coming again one day. John said this. Jesus spoke in John. He said, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Our returning Lord is coming back for us. And he's taking us somewhere wonderful. A place where we will always be in the presence of God. Won't that be great? I mean, all the struggles and all the things that we deal with in this life below, they'll soon be done. They'll soon be over. These things that that get a hold of us and stress us out and, and just take over our lives... One day, these things will all be washed aside. And it'll just be us and God. Because our Savior is going to take us there. So let the spirit of celebration take over. And this morning, finally, maybe we need a little bit of the spirit of reflection. And that's maybe what I want to challenge you most with today. Is to really reflect on this Christmas. Think of these things. When the angels appeared to the shepherds, 
The angel said, Fear not, for behold, we bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. And the shepherds made haste, it says, and made that journey to Bethlehem to find Jesus. And while they were there, they were in awe. They were in amazement. They came talking about Jesus, and they left talking about Jesus. And maybe we need a spirit of reflection this morning that says, Have I lost that sense of awe? That sense of excitement? Have I forgotten that this is not bad news that I'm a part of? This is good news that I'm a part of. Am I still like the shepherds where I talk about Jesus all the time? Or have I just kind of stopped talking about it? That's something to reflect upon, isn't it? And then think of Mary and Joseph. Last week we talked about Simeon and Anna and how that they saw the baby Jesus. Simeon said, my eyes have seen the salvation of the Lord. And Anna came and rejoiced and she told everyone about Jesus and this salvation that was available. And the scripture said, and we pointed it out last week, that Mary and Joseph marveled at these things. And maybe what we need to reflect upon this Christmas is just marveling in who Christ is. Just thinking about it. It's not just any other Christmas story. It's not like the fables and the fairy tales that we read. And I love, I love them. I told Kathy we have to break out some of the old movies, the Rudolphs and the Frosties and all those things. But Jesus is way more than these things, folks. You know that. Jesus is real. He's God. And we ought to take time this Christmas to just marvel in the fact that God sent his son for us. Just think about it. Think what Mary and Joseph, reflect on how they felt that day as they gave birth to this child there in that stable and laid him in a manger. And just think about how we felt as parents when our children were born. But Mary and Joseph knew that their child would rise and he would fall. That he would one day die for the sins of his people. That's something to marvel over. All these events. The shepherds wondered, it says, or wondered. They were in wonder about Christ. And in fact, when they got done speaking, the Bible says that Mary kept all these things in her heart. And I think she reflected on these things. And I think probably for years to follow, and even after Jesus died on the cross, Mary probably thought back, don't we tend to do that as parents? To think back to when our kids were little. Beth's been with us, and it's been good having her. We're going to have her a couple more weeks, and then Kyle will be here and take her home. But, you know, every time I see Beth, she's, she's as tall as me almost, but I see her in a little pink coat pushing her on a swing. That's what I think back to. And when I see Alyssa, and Alyssa's here this morning, I see a little chubby kid that I'm taking to the Chinese restaurant. And she wanted to go have red stuff with Daddy, which was sweet and sour chicken. I'd say, you want to go to the swings at the park? Do you want... No, I want to go have red stuff. That's what she wanted. And when I see Kayla, I think when she was little, and she wanted a horse, and what kind of dad doesn't give their kid... I got her a horse. It was two foot tall, but it was a horse. But I think back to those things, and I think Mary probably pondered and thought about these things 
this gold, this frankincense, and this myrrh, I think she probably thought about that until the day she died. She probably thought, remember when those kings came? Or thought about the shepherds coming into the stable that night. Probably a big group of rowdy-looking guys, rough-looking guys. They'd been out in the wilderness. She goes, in my labor and delivery room, there they were. A whole bunch of shepherds. And they brought their sheep with them. She probably thought about the star that stood watch over Bethlehem that night. She probably thought of what Simeon and Anna had said. She probably thought about what the angel had told her. And Joseph probably thought about the feelings that he struggled with when he first discovered his bride was pregnant and how the angel appeared to him and said, Joseph, this is way beyond what you can comprehend, but that which is in her is from the Holy Spirit. They pondered these things. They thought of them. And I think maybe that's part of what we miss in this Christmas spirit is we don't take the time to really think about these things. I challenge you this Christmas, let the spirit of Christmas sweep over you. The spirit of anticipation, the spirit of celebration, amen, and the spirit of reflection. Do you know Christ as your Savior?